Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm Charlotte Wood, and I'm podcasting from the Bondec Montessori in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Today, we're talking about the purpose of practical life. Practical life is one of the four main areas of the Montessori primary classroom, the classroom for children aged two and a half to six. And there's also practical life in the toddler classroom for children about 18 months to three years. And practical life contains materials that help children to take care of their environment, care of the environment, or to take care of themselves, care of the self, or things to get ready for these activities, preliminaries such as pouring or bead stringing. And we also have control and coordination of movement which is things like walking on the line or how to move in the classroom. And we also have the grace and courtesy activities of how to be in this classroom, how to carry a tray, how to say excuse me, what to do when you'd like to have snack, all of those rules of the classroom. So there's five main aspects of this practical life area. But it can be easy to peer into a Montessori classroom and say, well, Why are the children scrubbing the tables? Why are the children sweeping? Why are the children washing the dishes? Don't you have custodians to do that? Isn't that your responsibility? Why am I sending my child to school to clean? And there's so much more at play in the practical life area. There's a lot going on when a child is participating in these kinds of activities. And so we thought we'd chat about all the beautiful benefits of the practical life area. So practical life is where most children, when they come into a primary classroom or a toddler classroom, start. Things to do, things to take off the shelf and interact with. And they're always very active from pouring to scrubbing to stringing beads. There's always lots of movement involved. Movement is so important for these very young children. And sometimes it's just subtle movement of the hand, early puzzles, or coordinating hand movement together, such as for art activities or for cutting or stringing beads. And sometimes it's big movement, uh, the gross motor movement that's required for control and coordination of movement and walking on that line you see on a classroom floor, balancing, carefully walking heel to toe or carrying a bell in your hand without it making a sound, or all of the balance and vigor that's required for scrubbing a table. There's always movement involved in practical life activities. Children love to participate, and this is where we get to the purpose of all that cleaning that we have the children do. Children love to be involved in their work. We think of it as chores, but it's what we do all day. It's what children see us doing, and they want to emulate us. They want to be just like us. They see this as a great contribution, and so much of the world is off limits to children. It's too big. It's too tall. It's too dangerous. Too hot. Don't touch. No, and this is a place that is specially designed for very young children, The Montessori classroom is called a prepared environment, and it calls out to the child to reach out and touch me, experiment with me, use me as I am intended, and return me to the shelf ready for the next person to use. This is a place of yes. So much of the world is no, 
And when we see a child come into the classroom for the very first time, for perhaps a classroom visit before their very first day of school, her parents sometimes look at us with wide eyes. She just won't stop touching everything. It's such a joyful moment. I know. I know she won't stop touching everything. That's the whole point. She's like a kid in the candy store. That's the whole point. This place is designed for her. This is her special place, and it's designed to be touched and interacted with and experimented and listened and looked at and touched in various ways. And so the practical life enters the child into this new way of being, in this place of saying yes and experimenting and exploring. There's lots of physical development that's happening. There's fine motor control and manual dexterity that's developing through things like spooning or tweezing or bead stringing or fastening buttons or zippers. There's important things that we're now knowing have strong neurological benefits of crossing the midline for something, um, dynamic movements across the body, something like sweeping or pouring using both hands. These are now being shown to integrate information into the brain to form strong neural pathways. We're now finding out that the physical activities of the classroom are having neurological benefits for the child's development. And we knew that anecdotally, but now science is showing that these really are actually beneficial. The swirly movements of scrubbing are intensely satisfying to a child, and she doesn't know that she's getting her arm ready for the handwriting piece of cursive. So there's physical things that are happening, and this is where we see that that maximum effort, that giving your all to an activity of repeating again and again and again because somehow this activity that you're drawn toward, that your teacher prepared you with uh, due to some observation she made in your development through follow the child, she's paired you with this material and you're finding it intensely satisfying to this unique level of your development right now. And you'll continue to practice with this until that development is satisfied for the time being. Uh, and then you'll move on to something else. And so there's, there's physical development happening, but there's also internal development. And we don't see this internal development happening, but we see the effects of this uh, internal development so something like washing dishes, there's uh, a sense of contribution. If you've washed all the dishes from snack, you feel like you've made a contribution to the group. The same way you've seen your parent wash the dishes after dinner and you think, wow, they're so important. Now you get to feel important too. And that sense of contribution that you matter even though you're small inspire self-assuredness and pride. And these are really good qualities. If you feel a sense of belonging, that a sense of ownership that this is my place and I matter and I can make a contribution, these are really important qualities to have for a very young child. Being able to fix something yourself, for instance, if you dropped a tray and spilled a bunch of water on the floor and you know how to clean it up, because you've had the grace and courtesy on what to do when you spill something. We have a spill bucket and you can clean this up yourself and you don't need any help from an adult, even though for most of their lives, children are expecting to need adult help. This is a time when you don't need a help. 
being able to fix something on your own means you feel at ease. You feel confident, you feel independent, and all of these qualities that a child's developing simply by interacting with their classroom through these practical life materials, this self-assuredness, pride, confidence, at ease, independence, all of these mean you're going to be comfortable in this space, willing to take risks academically. Learning is hard work. It's very difficult to learn math or to learn how to read or any of these other academic qualities, geometry, algebra. These are difficult things. And they ask a child to take risks, to be willing to go beyond what is safe and what is known, what they've already mastered. It's easy to stay with what we've already mastered. And learning asks a child to take a risk. And if you feel comfortable, at ease, that you can make a mistake, such as dropping a tray, and you can fix it yourself, such as getting that spill bucket and cleaning it up, You're going to be more willing to take risks and try new things. Be willing to fail, to make a mistake, to miswrite that word and go get the eraser. It's okay to make mistakes. And you're learning that by making mistakes in the practical life area, by kicking your bucket over and needing a friend to help you, by not being good at something the first time you try it. And that's all part of the practical life area. All of these qualities that a child's developing translate into academic benefits. So, for instance, picking up spilled beans that you used for pouring uh, refines manual dexterity for counting the tiny beads of the thousand chain. So today, the two-and-a-half-year-old spilled their beans from their pouring because they've not yet mastered that skill. In three years, they're going to be counting those teeny-tiny beans but they won't have the manual dexterity if they don't first learn how to refine that fine motor control through these practical life activities. Zippers are hard, but so is reading. And when you're working on literacy, that sense that this is difficult but not insurmountable and I can do hard things, that's a transferable skill. But if you get to literacy without ever having encountered something hard, without ever thinking, oh, I can't do this, and reading is the first hard thing you encounter, it would seem like Mount Everest. But if you feel confident, at ease, that your friends and your teacher are here to help you because they helped you when you couldn't tie your shoe, they helped you when you made a spill and you didn't know how to clean it up, they helped you when you dropped glass and everybody had to stop while the teacher helps clean it up, all of that is learned in practical life. And it becomes intensely important once we get to those more still, more cognitive, more cerebral academic skills, both for a child's time in the practical, in the primary classroom and throughout their academic career and throughout their life. Who knew that those cleaning tasks, those chores were so important and paving the way for such a rich life. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Bondec, and email us with qu- comments, questions, and suggestions at hello at bondec.org. 
Until next time.